Welcome to One Does Not Simply, where three friends take on the Lord of the Rings and go on some unexpected journeys. I'm Wanda. I'm Navia. And I'm Ashani. This is episode 42, One Does Not Simply Explain Troth Plighting. As always, there will be spoilers for the entire Tolkienverse ahead. With that said, let's get into it. everybody welcome back Wait, to one does not simply oh yeah okay what sorry just checking that i was recording what <laughs> what 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 did you say chocolate <laughs> speak with mouth speak with mouth they shall be troth plighted before you all what um oh, welcome God, back we're off to such a great start welcome back Woo, to one does not back. simply <laughs> This Okay, I guess the listeners won't know that we haven't done this in a long time because this will be released without a break, but we mm. haven't done this for a long time. Unfortunately, we have to speak with mouth, unlike the elves and Gandalf. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the show. We are talking about chapter six and seven of book four of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. No, book six uh, of the Lord <laughs> of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> and Killing it. <laughs> the Fellowship gradually winnows down to uh just a few uh fellowshippers plus a giant horde as they make their way out of gondor post massive victory back towards the shire people who peel off include gimli and legolas who go off together to explore mirkwood this is something of a agreement that they had before that they were going to do that later galadriel and celeborn eventually uh go back to Lorien to grab their stuff before they go to the Grey Havens. And eventually Aragorn also leaves, riding off into the sunset back to his new wife and kingdom. And then Gandalf eventually goes off to hang out with Tom Bombadil. So by the end of these two chapters, it's just the four hobbits Oh, I should also say that they rendezvous with Bilbo at a certain point in Rivendell, but they don't take him with them when they go because he is old and frail. Um, so that, so, you know, I think that we all agreed or mentioned in our notes that this is, this is some of like the most endearing writing that we get from Tolkien. Um, and I personally like just really, really like these chapters, even though there is, uh, a lot of gloomy stuff that gets talked about. There's also a lot of lighthearted details that get thrown in that really counterbalance it and make it extremely charming to read about. Um, and when people leave the fellowship, you're, I don't know, I was, I felt genuinely really sad to see them go knowing that we would probably never see them again. And also I had a question which is, what is Aragorn's kingdom now? <laughs> I think it's, like, everything. <laughs> He's just, like, the king of everything. He stands uh, on top of the mountain, and Gandalf goes, look, everything the light touches is your kingdom, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, well, so he is he's king not... in the north. He's king in the south. He's not he just king of the, the king of, more of, of Gondor, right? He's, like, the king of more than just the realm of Gondor, I think. But I mean it does also 
I, I was kind of wondering if even if he's not necessarily because it's implied in the the second of the two chapters we read that he is the liege lord of places like Bree. So it's not just that he's like, oh, I'm going to take care of them out of the goodness of my heart. It's like, yeah. no, he's actually overseeing them. And even like, I think kingdoms like Rohan and stuff, even though they have their own king, like they still are under the dominion of of Aragorn. Yeah, vassal state type deal. Yeah. I, I, maybe he's just like the king of all men. Oh, that would make yeah. sense. I mean, it, his title is, I think, maybe still King of Gondor, but then he was a ranger in the north. And so my thought process was everything from where he was a ranger down to Gondor, like that curve. I think he allows Rohan its sovereignty still, but like that whole curve of Middle Earth that's like north of the Shire down through Bree and around to Gondor is all his dominion. And potentially, I mean, like, it's not really established what happens to the lands of, like, Mordor or what was Mordor. It is still very uh, hazy what he's king of. And it seems like he actually, what's implied is that it's a little bit unclear what he actually has official or formal dominion over. And part of his purpose in making this big journey with the hobbits and the rest of the fellowship back west is to issue some decrees about what is and is not his kingdom. Like when they pass through the uh, the forest, I forget what it's called, but the um, Duarden forest where the 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 old people of the of the wood lived who helped them Gonbury gone and everyone like that he makes this proclamation that everything here belongs to them forevermore and no one can pass over pass through into these lands without without their saying so and i'm not sure like how something... they enforce that but yeah, sure it's really not clear <laughs> <laughs> it seems and also he it just seems like more says like it. Like yeah. is that is that going to be recorded somewhere? Is that a law now? <laughs> like he <laughs> just said it to the people around, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's more like he can't enforce who goes in because he's not king of there, but he can enforce who leaves his dominion out the borders that happen to uh to abut the land of Gonborigon. Yeah, it's probably also people. like like if they if somebody enters their lands and like they kill them or whatever then they're in the clear because (laughs) yeah right exactly that was kind of what i figured was that it was more about like you get to decide if there are trespassers how to punish them and we're not going to be like oh you killed one of our people illegally Mm -hmm. if that person was in what is considered like gonbury khan and his people's sovereign so it's a reservation well, he's basically just saying, I'm not king of here. Like, and, and... Yeah, I mean, like, God, that's awful, but it's not inaccurate, yeah. necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't think you can murder somebody just because they go no, to the but, but, but the like... idea of, like, you know, different tribal law and stuff applying is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, other other laws apply. And I mean, and like when you think about it, you know, the elves are shortly going to depart for the Undying Lands and then Aragorn's probably going to become king of all that shit, too, because he is, after all, part elf. Yeah. I kind of assumed that he was going off of, like, back in the time of Isildur, what was the considered the dominion of the king of Gondor. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, back in that time, then all of this stuff up to, like, Angmar was all Numenorean land, mm-hmm. right? So I feel right. like he's probably going off of that rather than any quote-unquote modern delineations of borders, which sure is a choice. Let's do a let's do a hard topic change and talk about something else. <laughs> um, Pivot! <laughs> all right. I, I actually wanted to talk about what you had mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. which is like that, why we thought these chapters were charming. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, like, they were very evocative of a particular, like, mood, which is why I liked it, where, you know, it wasn't really, like, plot-driven, but it was more just, like, trying to evoke the feeling of saying goodbye and the end of a journey, and I thought it was, like, very successful at doing that. I think that's totally spot on, is that it was very evocative, and it was also very recognizable in that reading those chapters made me think about the times in my life where you say goodbye to people and you're as much saying goodbye to a moment in your life or an experience in your life as you are saying goodbye to the people, right? Like, it really very strongly reminded me of the end of college, for instance, or the end of high school, where I'm like, I might see these people again. Like, it's not like they're they're dying and I'm never going to see them again. I might start a podcast but with we're... these people. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you never know. But there's yeah. that feeling of we're never going to all be here together in the same place having done mm-hmm. these things. Like, that time in our life is over. And we're going to keep going, but we're not going to be able to come back and to it's a, this. Yeah, it's a very specific, like, like, there's joy involved because you have, mm-hmm. like, gotten to... Like, it's a milestone achievement, right? Like, finishing this journey is a milestone. Graduating is a milestone. Like, you've you've kind of completed a chapter of your life and there's, like, a joy. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, there is that underlying, like, sadness also. Um, So it's, like, a very specific emotion that it conjures up. But, yeah, I totally agree that it's, like, very relatable as well. Yeah. I And I think that you can read the story in multiple... From multiple angles, right? You can read it as the new age has begun in Middle-earth and Gandalf and Galadriel and Celeborn and the other elves spend long periods of the time that they're going back west in silent, not speaking with mouth conversation, (laughs) talking about what's going to happen now. And they have a short interchange with Treebeard. Um, Gandalf has this conversation with Treebeard where he says you know, you might want to be prepared for this coming age of men actually outlasting you. So, you know, you can read the story from that perspective, from like with like the closing of certain doors and the opening of new ones, or you can read all of that as just like a backdrop to a much more personal story about how the hobbits are, and particularly Frodo, are having this part of their life wrap up and a new part of their life is beginning. Um, 
And it all kind of weaves together in this very beautiful way. And the fact that Tolkien does that and also manages to put in these like, like passages that are extremely kind of fun and light um, is just like, it's just, I don't know, like, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I I think also like the, the other thing that makes this really lovely to read is that we don't see this in most stories like most mm-hmm. things most works of fiction that you interact with would have ended with the destruction of the ring like that's the end mission accomplished we're done here the the fact that tolkien actually shows us the like aftermath of you know okay so now this company that came together for this very specific purpose has to you know go their own ways and they have to figure out what to do with their lives like, this is not a thing that we are familiar with getting in most fiction. So I think that's, like, the mm-hmm. other thing that makes it especially delightful to read. It is genuinely, like, it is one of my favorite things about the ending of Lord of the Rings, that it is mm-hmm. not about something being over. It's about the fact that, like, people have to continue on afterwards. Like, after the story is done, you have to find a way to keep going and there's, yeah, there's only a handful of other pieces of media that do it. And there's very few that do it this well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For once, complimenting Tolkien with my whole chest. <laughs> it's not going to happen again, buddy. Don't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> he also, like, ties up a lot of loose ends, right? Like, there are mm-hmm. characters that we interacted with very briefly that he brings back, like Barlamin and Tom Bombadil and, uh, you know... Build a pony. You're like you're just. This is not like a thing. Like I did not think I was gonna get to see these these characters again. And so the fact that he brings them back and like actually like wraps that thread up and like finishes the story of you know whatever was going on with Eowyn and Faramir and finishes the story of whatever was going on with Arwen and Elrond and like actually wraps up each of these things. I I really Mm -hmm. like that because I don't think a lot of authors like give that much thought to the smaller stories that they introduce Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it all it makes me think about the people that read this series and they like it because they're white nationalists and they see this as like playing into their white nationalist philosophy and it's like it's almost like you didn't actually read or enjoy the book at all because it's so like there's so much more going on in this text than just a thread line about power or ideals about society. It, this is ultimately a very personal story and it's everything mm-hmm. else that happens around it is an allegory about that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, um, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on where it's like, if you are reading into this work, ideas like nationalism or, you know, supremacy or anything like that like you've you've kind of missed the point i think um yeah it's yeah and and like obviously topically right like the whole conversation has come to light again with with rings of power coming out and having non-white characters and people being bizarrely up in arms about it (laughs) and it's just like like this is so not the point of the story like if you can't watch a story and not focus on the like if you if you can't watch a, a story and like not focus on the story but be focused on like what the characters look like like what 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 are we doing <laughs> right it's like you're not actually really invested in the story that's taking place yeah 
Um, anyway. Okay, so another another kind of so taking up taking us back to the the conversation topic at hand. Um, so there's a lot of uh, kind of heartwarming parts in this chapter, and then there's also or in these chapters, and then there's also a pervasive sense of gloom because as they make their way back towards the Shire, particularly while they're in Bree, there's this sense that creeps up that things are not quite right. And because they have also recently encountered Saruman, who was released from Treebeard during Treebeard's process of flipping Isengard, Saruman did not spark joy. He released him (laughs) and they encounter Saruman on the road. And then they get a sense that not all is well in the Shire. And it's Gandalf is like, Saruman's probably behind this. And yeah, also like it is inexplicable to me that everybody just keeps being like, yeah, Saruman is definitely an asshole and he's definitely up to no good. Let's just let him go, though. <laughs> right? Like, not yeah, we can just, talk about that for a minute. Not just Treebeard. Treebeard, like, I, I think you put it perfectly when you said he didn't, like Saruman was not sparking joy because that's literally what Treebeard said. He's like, I don't know. I just didn't like the idea of somebody being cooped up for that long. So, <laughs> so he just like, lets him go. And okay, fine. Maybe Treebeard is... You know, he, He's an end. He makes decisions weirdly. But for them to encounter Saruman on the road, oh Saruman God. is actively being, like, terrible to both yes. Wormtongue and everyone else. And they also know that, like, this whole thing that he mentions about the South Farthing Leaf and everything, like, they know that something is going on and they're all just like... Oh, well, I guess he just walked into the forest. There's no possible way we can go after him or do anything about this. Like, what? I mean, the wildest part is that, like, I forgot that they re-encounter yeah, him. So too. it's like, oh, Treebeard, like, maybe. Right? I think Gandalf even says, like, mm, maybe you shouldn't have let him go, but too late now. And then they literally, like, find him three pages later. And I'm like, all right, here's your chance to, like. <laughs> fix that fuck up and instead they're all just kind of standing there being like hey what's up Saruman <laughs> want some of my pipe weed oh you're gonna be an asshole about it okay <laughs> like, I... well I think they should just kill him like because he is quite likely more of a danger cooped up than he is free given that it, someone is gonna have to mm-hmm. be guarding him and what are you gonna do just like gag him 24 7 his power is his voice you kill him uh, it's, he's a wizard he's not actually gonna die his wizard spirit will just wander around forever like <laughs> it's fine Navia swooping in with the lore to be like murder is ethical if <laughs> if they don't actually die I mean, <laughs> I mean and it's a valid point right like I feel like he has done he has done enough crime at this point that you're not like oh this dude is an innocent who's been like driven mad by the ring it's like no he's been on his own little power trip like has actively been trying to screw people over for ages now and has caused a lot of death and harm doing so i mean are we like are we saying there's nowhere in middle earth we could possibly imprison this guy also like just stick them in Mordor. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and, well, and like, here's the thing. I am not advocating for this, <laughs> but I'm saying that in the fiction of this world, it does not seem to me like to be an unreasonable level of punishment that somebody in this like pseudo 
pseudo medieval like fantasy setting might, for instance, like lose a hand if they were a thief or lose their tongue if they're an evil wizard who does spells with his voice. Right. Like and again, I'm not saying that I endorse that as a problem or like as a solution to this problem. Ashani endorses. Ashani loves capital punishment. Ashani political campaign ad. Don't vote for Ashani. Ashani likes the idea of punishing. (laughs) But genuinely, I mean, like, if people are sitting there going, "Well, we can't keep him prisoner," and they're like, "In in fairness, given everything that happened with Gollum, they're very bad at imprisoning people. Everyone is terrible at it." So. Yeah, they're, it's just not it's just yeah. not viable at this point, like as a strategy. No. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so Saruman is he casts a little bit of a he yucks the yum of the fellowship as they go back out west, and then no sooner do they get to Bree than they hear murmurs of something bad going on in the Shire, which suggests that Saruman really outflanked them at some point, mm-hmm. ran around and got to the Shire way ahead of them. Oh, that's because they stopped in Rivendell for a long time. Um, it's also a little unclear, though, if the things that are going on in Bree are a reference to what has been going on, like, this whole time with, like, the mm-hmm. the riders coming and then, like, you mm-hmm. know, just generally bad things happening while the war was going on. And uh, Barlamin says something like, oh, like, we didn't realize, like, that the rangers were keeping so much danger out. And obviously the rangers all left to go fight, mm-hmm. right, in mm-hmm. this battle and so that's why they left so it's i think there's definitely a sense that all is not well but i'm also not sure if the things that they're talking about are actively happening now or they're talking Mm -hmm. about like the last few months or whatever yeah i think it's a combination of things because some of what they're alluding to right like the the ability of pipe weed from the shire seems like that's a saruman inflicted problem but things like, oh, there's more of these, like, bandits on the road because there were people in Bree who were disgruntled and, like, working with people on the side of Mordor. That's been going on for a little longer. So, like, the roads have generally been unsafe because there are more, like, deserters from the army basically after the battle, right? Because I think what was implied was that after the battle, some of the quote-unquote evil forces who were not immediately killed scattered and so those folks have now been basically bandits and there are people from Bree who have taken up with them <laughs> i'm sorry i'm laughing because did you guys ever see the video of obama saying we tortured some folks <laughs> what? What? <laughs> when he said folks in reference to the orcs, it just reminded me. So, like, there's this vi- this video of like Obama, like, and he's like taking some press heat about Guantanamo Bay, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning of the Iraq War, we did some bad things. We did a lot of things that were right, but uh, we tortured some folks. <laughs> 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 me with my problem solving about Saruman like guys we did some things right and we did maybe propose that someone should have mutilated him <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we did maybe advocate for the death penalty in this one case <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I mean honestly I do still I'm gonna stand by like at the very least I'm gonna stand by they should have at least tried to keep him in prison again like 
they should have tried because he really like came in and had a lot of opportunities. I mean, it's they spent <laughs> almost a month in Rivendell, right? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I'm just remembering that Treebeard had him lock the tower behind him when he left. <laughs> and he gave him the key, though. He was just like, hey, uh, sir, can you make sure you lock the door when you leave? Well, the thing is that, like, <laughs> that was when you were asking, somebody was asking, "What not there any place in Middle Earth that we can put this guy? Yes. Isengard. That would have been the <laughs> ideal place. And I think the that... one like, he was already at. It seems like Gandalf was like, you know, it didn't work in Isengard. It's probably not going to work anywhere else. Let's just... Let's just, you know, take a mulligan on this one and um, let Saruman... I feel for... I feel for Treebeard, though. Like, nobody wants to, like, their entire job for all of eternity to be, like, making sure this prisoner doesn't escape. Mm-hmm. He's got things to do. He's got yeah. wives to find, you know? Like... yeah. It, it makes sense that nobody wants this duty of, like, watching over him. But, like, is that even but also, necessary? Like, could, they couldn't they just leave by him? With an enti- yeah, I mean, they rode by with an entire army. Are you telling me that Aragorn couldn't have been, like, Treebeard, my man, my dude, like, great work. You're relieved. I'm going to post some, like, rotating human guards here to keep, a, like... Well, I think the problem with, like, humans is... That he could maybe still enchant them with mm-hmm. his voice. Well, the Unless other thing that we just we sound we soundproof the fuck out of those windows. Uh yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, wait, sorry, <laughs> sorry to bring this back up. I just the the, the I just remembered the key thing, and it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no. Was... Uh, well, and I think you know. I think Gandalf doesn't kill Saruman in part in deference to Treebeard's judgment. He thinks, okay, mm-hmm. it's quite possible that Saruman still has some powers left to him. And, you know, it, I should tell the hobbits that that's a danger. But he doesn't say, like, he, he, he also, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't outright say, like, you're wrong, Treebeard. Um, he, he seems to be a little bit conflicted. Yeah, it also could be, mm-hmm. like, in deference to Aragorn, right? Like, mm-hmm. this this is your kingdom now. You can decide what to do with this guy. I don't know. It's it's a very bizarre choice. But uh, back to Bree. Um- <laughs> yeah, yeah, back to Bree. So do, do you guys think that the chapter, chapter 7, which is almost all in Bree, was inspired by Tolkien's own experiences during wartime? I mean, almost certainly, right? Like, the the idea that you would come home from war and have everything be, like, totally normal is not realistic. Um, I, I think, like... Fuck, I just lost my train of thought. I'll <laughs> jump in, then. I mean, like, I think it's true that anybody who goes through any kind of major life-changing experience and then goes back to a place where people have not had that experience they're going to feel a disconnect right like it is going to feel different if you've gone away and you've done something major for months and months and months of your life and then you come back and you're like oh this place that used to feel very familiar and comforting to me like 
is still familiar, but I am not familiar to it anymore. Yeah. And I, oh, I mean, I, like, yeah, yes, you... of course that happens after Roar, but other things too. Yeah. You reminded me of what I was going to say, which is I think the the relatable part um, that I think probably is from his experience is that they come to Brie and, like, at first they're, like, celebrities, right? They're like, oh, my God, they're back. Um, and I think there's a sense when, like, soldiers return from war of, like, celebrating that, you know, their their service and that they made it home. And then, like, everybody goes back to their lives and forgets about it, right? And that's kind mm-hmm. of what we see here where it's like, yeah, tell us your story. Great. Awesome. Okay. Cool. We're going home now. Um, and I think that's what probably leads a little more to the sense of disconnect too, because it's like you've done the you've done so many things and you want to talk about them, but ultimately, like everybody has their own stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the one of the parts of the chapter that resonated with me the most was at the very end. Mary says, "Wow, it you know it feels like we're." Um, we're going back into, you know, uh, what is it? What did he say? He's like, this feels like waking up from a long dream. And Frodo says, mm-hmm. actually, it feels like going back to sleep after being awake. Um, mm-hmm. These are the chapters where you start to get the sense that Frodo is not really going to heal until he moves on from this place. Um, mm-hmm. I was more alluding, though, to the general aura of... Um, or the the general sense that you get in Brie that even though they haven't been part of the war, they are affected by it in all of these ways, right? It's it's just things are worse uh, at home mm-hmm. when there's war abroad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's exactly what happens when a huge component of your like workforce goes away, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's a huge Well, but that's the thing is of... like Brie they didn't even have fighting. Like right. Brie was not aware that there was a war. Yeah, but the people that kept Brie safe, the Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The Rangers went, went away. And yeah. And they um, were essentially the 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 border guards, right? Like they were the people that were kind of defending mm-hmm. this land without their knowledge. And yeah. Like, I think what you see when any place goes to war, any country or whatever it is, is, like, a large portion of, one, the viable workforce, and then, two, the people who generally keep the peace leave. Right. (laughs) Well, and actually, what I really liked about that inclusion was that it came after multiple chapters of more or less, like unmitigated celebration, right? Like, obviously, Mm. there was Theoden's funeral, but it was all of this, like, success and victory and rest and healing and celebration. Troth plighting. (laughs) Yes, troth plighting. Um, But to come back home and be like, oh, it's actually rippled out in these ways. And, like, the center of the conflict, like, took the brunt of the impact but then is also the first place to be able to start working towards recovery whereas the places where like that impact rippled out it might take them longer to recover too because then like they're not feeling that immediacy or that even that relief of knowing they won right all they know is that something's wrong and they're not really sure how to fix it Mm -hmm. right and yeah that's why Gandalf is going on the Aragorn propaganda tour. <laughs> yeah. 
to let everybody know that the king is in his castle. Also, like, when they were telling Barlamin that the king is, you know, is Strider, the way they did that reveal was like, I was like, what are you doing? Why would he possibly know that the dude who used to, like, drink beer in the back is now the king? Right? When they're like, how have you not figured it out yet? And I'm like, this is like saying, oh, yeah, like, Jason from my local... The guy who just, like, I know because I go and drink there every week. Turns out he's king. (laughs) Surprise! Yeah, the shadiest person you ever encountered (laughs) is now king. Why haven't you figured that out? (laughs) We're we're gonna troth plate you over the the wall. Um, alright. This has been fun, and it sort of felt like a long quick fire <laughs> nevertheless let's continue by doing quick fire do you guys have some quick fires long yes, pause before you said fun <laughs> <laughs> this has been <laughs> this has been something uh yeah we have quick fires we have quick fires up the ass um <laughs> do you want to go first then um oh wait hang on a second um hang on i'm just thinking about my beans do you gotta go check beans? <laughs> check the <Yeah>. beans <laughs> <laughs> yeah my magic beans <laughs> hang on and hey with that out of the way let's do some quick fun. yeah quick fun. back to quick fire. yeah uh okay so my quick fire or like a quick fire um is that arwen is in these chapters <laughs> Uh, hello. Uh, Surprise. You took mine. I- <laughs> you took it. Uh, yeah. That I, person only that my we... precious. I think this, this chapter actually contains all mentions of Arwen. This is the full amount of times that she's mentioned <laughs> in the books. Uh, but yeah, she shows up. She marries Aragorn. Um, and then she has, like, this moment that is just, like, completely hidden in a... a bunch of text and like completely glossed over and i'm i can't believe that tolkien did this because this is actually a really a a thing that i wish he had (laughs) delved deeper into which is that uh (laughs) i'm so tired um which is not delve deeper you're you're doing amazing sweetie (laughs) um anyway so arwen and elrond basically have their goodbye uh with each other Mm -hmm. and it's a super bittersweet moment because arwen is literally choosing to never see her family and her father again in order to stay with Aragorn and become mortal. And I think I want to quote the exact line because it's it's really Oh, sad. it's really it's really lovely. It's really sad and I just wish that they had spent a little bit more time on this because Is it, it the one that's um Oh, I had it written down. Bitter was their parting that should endure beyond the ends of the world. Aww. <laughs> it's like... It's a really beautiful line, and it's really, really sad. And I just wish that we'd gotten a little bit more of this story about her choice that she makes and whatever she and Elrond said to each other, because, the, like, yes, we are seeing the Fellowship, you know, break apart, and a lot of these characters mm-hmm. probably won't see each other again, but at least they have the possibility of seeing each other again you know like they could make it happen um 
this is like final like she will never see any of the elves that she has met her entire life with again yeah in as much as i would like yeah i also wish that there had been more of that spelled out in the books i have the reverse critique of the movies because i was thinking about arwen's character and she really it occurred to me that she doesn't really have any scenes except with elrond or aragorn she's Mm -hmm. never seen by herself she has no she has no arc outside of this choice that she makes to uh not depart with her family is my yeah, the closest we get to it in the movies is like that montage where Elrond is telling her how sad she's going to be when Aragorn mm-hmm. dies. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, she doesn't have like the the sense of agency to her character that I want to be explored because she is making an active choice, right? She's not being given mm-hmm. to Aragorn. She's not like, mm-hmm. like this is something that she is choosing to do and I wish they had explored that more. Also, big reveal... Uh, apparently Frodo gets to go to the Undying Lands because Arwen gave up her spot as a gift to him. This I did not know. Um, I thought that all ring bearers just get to go to the Undying Lands. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too because she really makes it sound like a one-to-one exchange. Yeah, like, which is like, who by did, giving who, whose him... spot is Bilbo taking? Like <laughs> Right, and then like Sam and Gimli, it is heavily suggested in the appendices also end up going Mm -hmm. so there is that piece of like uh, but I wonder if that was in giving Frodo permission she opens it up to the possibility that all of the others can go too yeah I or maybe it's not actually like a one-to-one thing and she's just like telling him that he can go and her telling mm-hmm. him is is the gift but like she does say like you can take my place yeah she, oh she really makes it sound like here is my ticket and yeah. you can take it yeah i definitely have always thought that just anybody who was a ring bearer gets to go mm-hmm. yeah but okay that that was my quick fire yeah yeah um my quick fire is that uh, I hated the exchange between Aomer and Gimli over which <laughs> elf lady is the prettiest one. The worst. Ashani, I know that you liked it. Well, and... well here's what I'm going to say is in the context of this was already a conversation that they'd had multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, this feels like a resolution rather than a like, oh, they're valuable because they're hot, you know? Mm, yeah. I guess they, it was like you're defending the 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 honor of your particular chosen lady is a very like old school chivalry thing, and that felt like a, a wrap up to that. But mm-hmm. also, I saw your notes, and I was like, yeah, that's valid. <laughs> I just don't like the trope of these women being like something that all of these guys just like worship their beauty rather than like actual people or characters that like it's just weird because they're not in love with them they just like are mm-hmm. worshiping their beauty that's a weird thing i don't like it <laughs> yeah i would feel weirder about it if either of the women in question were human but i think given that the elves are set up to be like something more than human it's like i don't know it just it bothers me less i guess i don't know yeah i just thought it was like really cringe for some reason 
It was, yeah, it was just kind of like, I don't need this right now. <laughs> like, why, why are we talking about ladies? <laughs> like, that's fair. I guess, yeah, and the other part that, that was, that's annoying is, like, there's already so few women in this book. And yeah. these ones are just elevated to the status of, like, symbols rather than being actual characters. I'm like, no, oh, right. just like, make them be real fair, people. That's because they aren't, they aren't actual characters. <laughs> yeah. Arwen doesn't do anything at any point <laughs> up until this. Very like, true. Arwen has not spoken in these books up until this chapter. So there's not, like, anything else to praise her for. I forgot about her speaking. We haven't even heard her name <laughs> until. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, Ishani, what was your quick fire? Well, my quick fire, uh, per request, is <laughs> that we gotta talk about the vibe being off between Celeborn and Galadriel in this chapter where they're both together. Because at the like that conversation where they're like, "Oh, we might see you again. Like, perhaps we'll see you again." And Celeborn's like, "Perhaps we will." And Galadriel immediately after is like, "No, we won't." <laughs> and then. She says, Aragorn, like, you have a wonderful life ahead of you. Like, you're going to accomplish all these things. Go forth and, like, have this wonderful future. And he's like, I hope you don't lose it. Like, don't make the same mistakes I did. Don't fuck it up that way. What yeah, are they talking like, about? They're like, saying what? these things. I mean, they're saying these things right after each other. Like, both of them are present as they're having these conversations. So it's genuinely not even like, oh, Celeborn's saying this, and then, like, in a separate conversation, Galadriel is, like, saying something completely different. They are right next to each other saying these things. (laughs) (laughs) And also, Celeborn being like, oh, I hope you don't fuck up your perfect future like I did. And what is he even referring to? Like... What is he talking about? We don't know enough about this character to know what he messed up. Do Celeborn and Galadriel have any children? Yes. Yes. I think they have a daughter. Are their children okay? I, when? Now? I mean, like, are their children dead? (laughs) Yes. In the year of our Lord, 2022, are Galadriel and Celeborn's children all right? That's what I'm asking. Sorry, I meant. I meant. Did you mean like in Rings of Power or in Lord of the Rings? Like, yeah, in Lord of the Rings, when Celeborn's being like, "Oh, I hope your like happy future doesn't end up the way mine did," or whatever it is he right. says. <laughs> yeah, he says, "May your doom be other than mine, and your treasure remain with you to the end." Which, so the doom be it, other like, than mine seems like a reference to them leaving Middle Earth. Or like Potentially, the yeah, like, ending. may your fate be other than mine. But your treasure remain with you until the end implies that there's something Celeborn has lost or is losing, which seems like it would be Galadriel, except they are going to reunite. Yeah, and so also, like, like, Arwen has just married Aragorn, so the treasure seems like a reference to her. Well, is Arwen, maybe Arwen is the treasure that's being referenced in both cases like Celeborn mm-hmm. is losing Arwen who maybe is a relative oh maybe yeah I'm yeah. just looking up Arwen related to Galadriel <laughs> he's actually talking about the ring <laughs> he's just like damn I really <laughs> no, wanted yeah. that thing <laughs> she's like, she's Galadriel's granddaughter oh that's right yeah 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 cause it's their daughter mm-hmm. who married Elrond yeah. Oh mm. uh, yeah. No. You know what? <laughs> this all. Oh, so well. 
but then their daughter isn't she's okay not okay yeah the kids aren't all Elrond's, right <laughs> yeah oh so that might also be it yeah. is that he's saying like i hope your kids wow shawnee it was like really insensitive of you to say the vibe was off <laughs> No, the vibe. The no, vibe, the vibe was still, still off, off, though. Like it was, it it was still weird. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like he was like, like literally Galadriel goes. Elfstone, through darkness, you have come to your hope and have now all your desire. Use well the days. But Celeborn said, "Kinsmen, farewell. May your doom be other than mine, and may your treasure <laughs> remain with you to the end." Like. Yeah. Imagine getting that back to back. That's like being at a wedding and somebody being like, congratulations. And then the next person being like, hope you don't get a divorce. <laughs> like, that's the beautiful, energy that Celeborn is Beautiful children with. you have there to be. It would, would be, be a, a shame if someone happened. tortured them. <laughs> Thanks for listening to One Does Not Simply. This episode was edited by Wanda. You can find us on Twitter at ODNSPod and Tumblr at One Does Not Simply Pod. Special thanks to Andrew, Sneha, and all our listeners for joining us on this journey. If you like what you hear, give us a rating or a review on whatever platform you listen to.